2: Hey, hey, ho, ho, your ugly face has got to go. TGI Friday. What is up? Rick Tittle with you, the home studios of the Sports Byline USA broadcast network. The great thing about this show is I'm so great. No, as I'll talk about anything you want to talk about. As long as it's in the world of sports Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics What all about, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket uh, I do realize that if you wanted to listen to um, reports from the war You would be on a news station I would just like to give a shout out to the ghost of Kiev And by the way, this whole Kiev thing is BS It's not Kiev I know Ukrainians, they say Kiev Anyway, we say chicken Kiev But there's a uh, a Ukrainian pilot flying a Fulcrum that chalked off six air-to-air kills yesterday. Two SU-35s, one SU-27, one MiG-29, two SU-25s. That's just like, when someone is that much better, it's like me playing basketball against Shaq. And um, I got nothing but love for the uh, people there, especially the citizens who are going to the front lines. It's just, I got nothing but love. For the Ukrainians right now, but we're going to talk sports. Let's do that, unless you want to talk about the ghost of Kiev. Now, let's talk some sports. Of course, it's Friday. That means we're going to check in the first hour. The very good friend Jan Wall, the film critic extraordinaire, the Hollywood lifer. We've got some entertainment guests. We've got some comedians in the second hour. Alex Hopper will come by. Also, Michael Rappaport will be by once again. And uh, I'll also be talking with Martha Coolidge. The great Hollywood director, she has a new movie She used to be uh, the president of the Directors Guild. So I'll talk to Mar- uh, Martha about that as well. But your calls, one 800 A Play. Get in. Big shout-out to our troops listening both home and abroad on the American Forces
0: Radio Network. Come on back with Jam Wall.
1: 800-754-4531.
2: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. As uh, always, Friday mornings in the first hour, we're joined by the film critic, Chian Wall. How are you doing, my friend?
5: I'm doing great. Thank you, Rick.
2: Oh, good. Let's bring in our first guest, and uh, that is uh, writer and filmmaker Mark Vieira, uh, because he has something called DeMille is Hollywood. It's an official... Uh, YouTube video series. It's the first of its kind, and it just debuted this week. Um, Mark, welcome to the show, and we always hear about Cecil B. DeMille and and what he did, but I think sometimes it gets lost in the the morass of the other Hollywood directors and such. And so uh, was that kind of the genesis behind this project?
6: Yeah, because he was the first to make a feature film in the actual city of Hollywood, which at that time was a rural suburb of los angeles los angeles was the filmmaking place at that time and they said oh you can't go out there it's a bunch of orchards so yeah you're right he does get lost in the the jumble of you know guillermo del toro and everybody going all the way back but he was the first
5: (laughs) mark uh, hi it's jan wall mark my darling he is and i just want to tell the audience mark is an old dear friend of mine and has written some of my favorite hollywood books ever Including Forbidden Hollywood, an unbelievable great book about sexy Hollywood before the um, Hollywood Production Code kicked in, and also an incredible book about Hurrell and his photographs. Mark, I love this project. I watched it, and Cecil B. DeMille—really uh, an exciting character. What turned
6: you on about him? Well, that he was at age 32 working for his mother and had a series of flop plays. And, okay, what's he going to do now? He's got a wife and daughter to support. And he says to his two friends, why don't we take a gamble on these new things called movies? And, you know, that meant going across country and and getting stuck in Flagstaff, Arizona, realizing, uh-oh, this is not the place to make a movie. And then, well, let's go to Los Angeles see what's there. And all these gambles ended up in... In Hollywood, becoming the film capital,
2: what did he see in Hollywood? Was it just kind of a cheap place to go film where he wouldn't be bothered, or did he see something else in it?
6: Uh, no, that was definitely it because <laughs> the studio that he was renting turned out to be a barn. He thought it was going to be a regular studio, and here he is well it 's a barn, yeah, but there's, here's the area where you can film we've, we've built an outdoor stage, so you know genius that he was he he brainstormed his way through it, but it, it really worked. And it kind of helped his two best friends were both really interesting
5: characters, Samuel Goldwyn and Nicholas Skink. And they were his best friends who later became huge moguls in Hollywood. Uh, so they all did it together. And, um, you know, he invented a whole lot of interesting things, uh, mill, for example.
6: Mark? No. <laughs> he invented, uh, well, he invented the idea with Jesse Lasky and Zucker, Adolf Zucker, of the vertically integrated film studio, the film company. In other words, they owned the studio, they owned contract players, they owned the theaters, and they owned distribution. So that meant that the the, pro, the product, the project, could go straight from them to the audience without having to fight its way through competitive forces.
5: Hmm. And his first big hit was The Squaw Man, and after that it just kept going. Eventually he wins the Oscar for the greatest uh, for um, the circus picture, the greatest, no, what is it? Uh, The Greatest Show on Earth. Yeah, The Greatest Show on Earth. I always mix that up with the Jesus flick. The Greatest Show on Earth, and also... uh, the Ten Commandments, and, you know, he goes
6: on to have this huge, humongous career. Well, yeah, he made 70 films, exactly, and only seven of them weren't super hits. But two of them, The Samson and Delilah and The Ten Commandments, are still in the top ten all-time grossing films.
2: Oh. What about The Ten Commandments? Because these epic, huge movies, like we hear about, you know, like Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton was a... Was a flop, but the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston was a was a hit. Was this, you know, like the most amount of money that had ever been spent on a movie? What was that set like?
6: No, in, in fact, he watched pennies. He was he was the, the total equation, like Irving Thalberg. He knew how to make a film for the least amount of money and get the most bang for his buck. So it would, uh, that one he really did. He did have to get you know a lot of money to go to Egypt and shoot there. But he—he he, everything else was very carefully controlled, and that's why it continues to be profitable for the DeMille Foundation and for Paramount, who co-own the film to this day.
5: Oh. Is it true he went around to the extras and said? You don't look dirty enough. You don't look like somebody who lived in the 11th
6: century, or you don't, you know, you
5: know that kind of thing. He was
6: really into detail. Oh, my favorite story! He yells from the the camera boom. He's way up, looking down at the extras. He says, "That wig! I spent thousands of dollars on these props and these costumes, and we got a fakie wig! A (laughs) fakie wig!"
5: (laughs) Oh, I just love it! I love this whole series. I think. One of the things that surprised DeMille, um, you know, is the way he directed actresses. You know, he would put Huda Colbert in a bowl, you know, in a tub of milk. Or he would take Gloria Swanson and put her head in a lion's mouth. I mean, what a whack job. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: So I know a lot of this is born out of uh, his granddaughter, Cecilia. What did she offer to you to help tell this
7: story, Mark?
6: Oh, I- Anytime I have a question about what's going on in the story, you know, way back, you know, 1914, she knows because he would run films for her most nights of the week, and he would tell her what they had done, what had happened. And, of course, she had questions for him, too. So she got it, and she has retained all those stories, and they're available, you know, now to me, so I can do this series on an ongoing basis. And I will include, eventually... If not talking heads, I will include narration from her over certain scenes, as well as other parties who were recorded in oral histories by the DeMille Foundation. Mm. But primarily what I have to work with are these fantastic visuals, this gigantic collection of beautiful still photographs that he was very concerned about getting right. He gave the still photographer all the time he needed to make these gorgeous photographs that are like paintings. They're really mm. beautiful. Mm,
5: they are. And I was wondering about, uh, again, I guess because I'm interested in actresses, originally, were they? Like, how did he find them? Were they theater actresses? or Were they hookers? I mean, how did he find these women well, no, in for example, early Hollywood?
6: <laughs> he's looking out of his window in the, the, the office at Paramount, and he saw Claudette Colbert walking by, and he knew that she was working on a film with George M. Cohan, and he knew that she was kind of a lackluster part. He says, Let's, let's talk. He said, why are you doing all these kind of dull, silly girl-type roles when there's mm-hmm. obviously more to you? She mm-hmm. said, well, what, what could I do? He said, how would you like to play the wickedest woman in the world? <laughs> and and that's said, how he yeah. got caught at Colbert, who <laughs> was languishing you know, in, in dull, supporting roles.
5: And I didn't mean to say uh,
6: anything rude about
5: the actresses. It's just there's this one photo that you have of these early women, and it's just remarkable. I mean, they didn't know it. I mean, it was so new. Everything was new, you know, pan and scan and editing and telling stories. I mean, everything was new.
2: It's all new, and everybody should check it out on the Cecil B. DeMille Film Series YouTube channel. It just came out a couple of days ago. DeMille is Hollywood. It is live, and we've been speaking with writer and director Mark Vieira. Mark, thanks for coming on.
6: Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, Chan.
2: Alright, call me Darren. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
6: Hey!
8: Be with! I'm a new man. I'm a new man. I'm a new man. I'm man. I'm a new man. I'm a new man. I'm a new man.
9: call rate genius now
1: 800-811-7913 800-811-7913 800-811-7913 that's 800-811-7913 not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings actual offer terms including apr are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness,
7: value of the vehicle loan term and other factors
10: if you're taking a calcium supplement it's probably not doing
0: what you think it is
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating. All
2: right, whatever works, Rick Tittle, with you, Coast to Coast with Jan Wall and Around the World on American Forces Radio Network. It is our pleasure to welcome Hollywood veteran actress Ruda Lee, who's had a pretty fascinating career and life, and is here to talk about her memoir, Consider Your Ass Kissed. Uh, <laughs> Ruta, love the title, and uh, I guess we know which way the book's going with that title. Oh, we still don't have Ruta. All right. She said she was there. You know, when I think about Ruta, she was one of the great beauties of her generation. She
5: was beautiful, Rick. I sat next to her at an event once. Uh, It was uh, amazing how gorgeous she was. But she also was a big talker. And she talked a lot, and she was so fun and funny. And I read her book, and it's hysterical. I mean, she, and also kind of filthy. I mean, in some ways, not filthy, but, I mean, she says this very, very interesting thing about Sinatra.
2: Well, let's bring her in. We have Ruta Lee. Ruta, welcome to the show. Rick Tittle and Jan Wall with you, uh, syndicated nationally around the world on American forces. And we are talking about Consider Your Ass Kissed. (laughs) <laughs> your your memoir and, and Jan Wall who uh was talking about something you said about Sinatra, do you wanna lead in with that?
12: Hell no. <laughs> Hi, Rhoda.
13: Hey, we girl. want everybody hanging on that. Hi, darling Jen. It has been what
5: 30 40 years well, yes, seeing you? I, I was deeply in love with Arthur Nadell, and we sat together at the uh, academy governor's ball once the tv academy and we sat next to each other and i was in you know i was in awe because we're talking seven brides for seven brothers and witness for the prosecution two of my favorite movies ever made do you, you know are that remarkable he...
13: Jan, your taste runs right along with the critics of the world, Mm -hmm. because those two movies are in the top hundred ever made. Ever. And and I'm very proud to have been in them. I didn't star in them, but at least I was in them. That was pretty exciting. That's right.
2: And I think about Witness for the Prosecution. How about Billy Wilder working for that director?
13: Uh, you know, he was magical, and he had the wildest sense of humor, which, of course, shows in all of his works and, and writings and how he directs. And, and what a thrill that was. And, and, of course, you know, I got that job because of Mr. Sinatra. I had been invited to his opening night at the Mocombo, and and they were lean times for nightclubs uh, because television had taken over, and nobody was nightclubbing the way they were before, and um, he was opening as a favor to Mrs. Morrison, who uh, uh, was running the the Macambo. And he said, "I'll come in and play a week, and Dean'll come in and play a week, and Sammy'll play a week, and and uh, you know we'll we'll bring the the club back up to the standards it had before." And opening night, I had been invited by a lovely host. And I'm sitting, staring up at Frank Sinatra, who was working on a tiny little dais in front of the entirely filled stage of the nightclub with his orchestra. You know, and and nightclub stages are small. And I was staring up at him with my mouth hanging open because, Jan, I think you would attest to this. Nobody in this world has ever been or will be as mesmerizing as Frank Sinatra. That is was exactly in right. In that performance. is
5: exactly right.
13: That's what I thought, too. Francis and, Albert and, forever. And note uh, came around uh, to our host saying, would you bring Miss Lee around to, to meet my wife and I? And so we went around, and he was sitting kind of almost behind Sinatra because of the way it was placed. And he said, Miss Lee, my name is Arthur Hornblow, Jr., and I am producing a film called Witness for the Prosecution, and I have just given you a very unique screen test. Because of where I'm sitting, I watched you watch Frank Sinatra, and I think you would be a good love interest for Tyrone Power Hello. in my upcoming movie. Will you come in and meet Mr. Wilder? And when I caught my breath, I said, is tomorrow too soon? <laughs> and and in I went, and they put me on film, and Marlena Dietrich took one look at, at the film, The Rushes. And said, Nick, nine, forget it." And I became a brunette overnight. <laughs> <laughs> she Blanc was a blonde. She show. was a blonde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and then later on, Frank Sinatra loved nothing more than having—I shouldn't say nothing more, nothing more than having a wonderful Italian dinner at home, and then running a new movie for his guests. And what's the movie they're running? But Witness for the Prosecution. Ah. Uh. And he says to, uh, Howie Koch, who, whom he had a partnership with, you know, I've been watching this Rudolf chick in, uh, in a lot of television stuff and everything, and she's kind of interesting. Uh, let's say we make her, uh, put her in one of our upcoming films. So that's how I got to be the leading lady to Frank Sinatra Dean Martin, Sammy Davis. Uh, and and the gang uh, in Sgt. 3. Isn't that an amazing Hollywood story? It I
5: mean, is, but an... I just want to tell people they have to get the book because there is something that goes a little deeper about <laughs> Sinatra, shall we say, Ruda, darling. Uh, well, I had...
13: Very few encounters of that sort in my life. Uh, I know, I think, but what do you need after Frank, you know? Uh, yeah, that's true, that's true. But, then you know, I probably should have played my cards right. Hell, maybe I could have been Mrs. Frank Sinatra. True,
5: and all that jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> but let's was, talk about Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, because, come on, you were one of the brides. I mean, that's yes. pretty amazing.
13: It is amazing, because it was my very first, film job Mm -hmm. and and i just i mean when i look back now and realize how blessed i was and how there i was with some of the best dancers in america and Mm -hmm. i i would go to the the warm-up class you know the bar the ballet bar every morning and say what the hell am i doing here how did i get so lucky but you know something that maybe well of course if you read the book you know I spent a lot of years with American Forces Radio and Television.
8: Mm.
13: I, I used to record uh, some wonderful shows. Billy Zell was my producer director, and Billy Zell, for all intents and purposes, was the founder and one of the major members of the uh, Country Music Awards. Mm. And he introduced me to all kinds of music that I had never even considered before It was always Montevani, you know, and the strings for me and and uh, I interviewed some of the most amazing recording people uh for for uh a f r t s you know and uh, I, wow, what a great experience that was. I did that for a couple of years, and I sort of became a pinup girl to um the guys all Mm -hmm. over the world Mm -hmm. uh, because those were the days when we were wearing little mini skirts and go-go boots you know Mm -hmm. really hot stuff
2: you know i was thinking about on a more serious note what you were able to do with khrushchev a guy who slammed his shoe at the united nations saying we will bury you and you got your grandmother out of the soviet union i mean can can you come tongue-in-cheek can you call putin i mean you're pretty good at the yeah how about it ruda
13: You know, what a great idea. I wonder, but you know what was good? (laughs) In those days, Jan, you might remember, uh, we had person-to-person calls. Mm -hmm. And person-to-person meant that you paid twice as much for the call if you got through to your party, but you didn't pay for all the attempts to reach your party. And and so that was kind of a, a blessing to me because it took hours and hours and hours of back and forth between the Russian operators when I called and said, I want to speak to Nikita Khrushchev, the Kremlin, Moscow, USSR. And the
5: bitch said, how do you spell Khrushchev? <laughs> 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 Who but, the hell knew? How come he and, let you get your grandmother out? How come? You and, know,
13: I think because I said the right thing. He said, oh, we, we know all about you. you. We run your movies here. And uh, that's not Khrushchev, but his interpreter that I was speaking with. Um, And he he said, "Uh, why don't you talk to your congressman? And at this point, I was sobering up from the night of wine that I'd had. And I was (laughs) saying, what the hell does my congressman have to do with my traveling in your country? Mm. This is not a matter of politics. It's a matter of the heart. For all I know, my grandmother is dead. I don't know. It took six weeks for the letter to get here. Excuse me and uh and he said present yourself again to the russian embassy in washington and i thought oh hell i'm getting a run around again because i'd already spoken to the embassy everybody from the the dishwasher to the upstairs maid and it was nyet 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 <laughs> and uh and this time when i called clearly the hotlines between the kremlin and washington must have been ringing because when i called i was immediately connected to the first secretary at the Russian embassy, and the first secretary was Lithuanian. Oh, oh hallelujah! Lithuanian, Lithuanian descent, and uh-huh. I speak the language, and, uh, and therefore, it, you know, miracles happened. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was the Russian authorities giving me the right to come in, uh, and then, thank God, for the press because James Bacon, who was then the head writer Mm -hmm. for Hollywood for the AP Wire Services, did a story uh, on my going, you know, young starlet goes to fight Russian authorities and and the uh, people and and, uh, goes to get grandmother released from Siberia and Lithuania.
2: I hate to cut off this story, I hate read to cut book, it off. Read
13: the book, folks. Read the it's book. Great.
2: Consider your ass kiss. Rudalee.com. <laughs> thank you so much, Ruda. Thank you for the visit. God oh, bless Ruta you. Ruda
13: Love.
5: Ruda Love.
2: Ruta thank you. Smiling on America. Thank, thank you. Thank you, honey. Rick Tittle and Jan Wall here. Bye, Come on back. We'll
8: be golden.
2: Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence when it's time to perform. No visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right prescription. Blue Chew's tablets are chewable and they're made in the USA. They prepare and ship directly. So it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Plus, there's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code SPORTS at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code SPORTS to receive your first month free.
3: Hey, team, it's
14: a full house. we got to pick up the pace.
15: At Hank's Restaurant, the line goes around the block.
14: Is this for 12? Okay, I need the truffle oil drizzle.
15: What he needs is another line cook. Oh,
14: man. Are the quail breasts still in the sous vide? Dave, can you keep an eye on that, please?
15: Indeed can help him hire great people fast.
14: I need Indeed.
15: Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
9: how long does it take to tackle a home project with angie you could cross it off your list before this ad is over just tell us what you need indoor or outdoor repair or redesign and we handle the rest sending a top pro to get it done you don't have to lift a finger except to tap the screen or click the mouse plus angie is free to use so bring us your next home project and we'll bring it home Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's angi.com to get started.
3: And yet, the Platz nehmen the Americana! A Nigel Nobel 9, hop Kim, Hopfer Kim, <much> Hopfer Kim, A Nigel Nobel 9, Hopfer Kim, this is my greatest freight.
13: This was so good, my mittag, mittag, mittag.
11: She ain't Quit drinking that haterade and bow down to Ricky T, y'all.
2: All right. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle and Jan Wall with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces. It's our pleasure to welcome back to the show author Eve Golden. She has a, a new book and paperback called John Gilbert, The Last of the Silent Film Stars. Eve has written many books about uh, film and film biographies. Welcome to the show, Eve. And I know that uh, John Gilbert is a name that we don't really know, but during the uh, the classic silent film era, he was one of the most charming and classically handsome actors. Is that right?
17: He was gorgeous. He was talented. And between the time Valentino died and Clark Gable came to start him, John Gilbert was the biggest male star in Hollywood, really, with the possible exception of Douglas Fairbanks. Mm.
5: And hi, Eve, it's Jan. Hi, hi Jan. Nice Lovely to sweetheart. talk to you again. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Um, I am so happy this came out in paper book, paperback. It is so juicy. You just want to take it with you and open it anywhere. It's just so good. Now, no, he, thank this you. isn't Well, this isn't just the story of a movie star. He got screwed royally
17: by the bosses and it's such an interesting tale well one of the great things about john gilbert and one of the reasons i love him so much is he took responsibility for his own mistakes part of the reason that he got screwed over by mgm was that he was not a team player he was a very difficult perfectionist and he loved poking the bear with a stick
2: when I think about, you know, the rumors of him being with Greta Garbo and Marlena Marlene Dietrich, he still was known as Hollywood's unhappiest man. And it goes back to maybe his childhood with his parents, right?
17: Well, he was a perfectionist. He had a very bad self-image. He was uh, he was a difficult guy. But the great thing about him, again, is he admitted he was a difficult guy, and he took uh, responsibility for his own Actions and his own problems.
5: Yeah, a lot of people know that the way he got really—I mean—they really went to trouble to get rid of him, uh, Louis B. Mayer, and he had terrible fights, including oh, they a hated famous. Each other. Yeah, why did they hate each other?
17: I think it was just uh, a cobra and a mongoose sort of a thing. They hated each other at first sight, mm-hmm. and uh, John Gilbert just loved aggravating Louis B. Mayer.
5: Yeah, but you're, t- you're poking a stick at the big dude. You know, you're the biggest dude there is at the, uh, in show business, is Louis B. Well, Merritt. John Gilbert was very self destructive. Right. And there comes alcoholism.
2: Well, wasn't he mm-hmm. also a, a bigamist? Didn't he have a wife in Mexico, too, or something?
17: <laughs> oh, gosh, no. That's, that's one thing we can't accuse of him. Um, now, Valentino was an accidental bigamist.
2: <laughs> accidental?
17: well his His first divorce was not quite legal when he married his second uh. wife, and he wound up in jail for a couple of days.
5: yeah, and he married a lesbian Valentino, so there's all kinds uh. of you know this period of Hollywood people don't realize was so decadent and so interesting because these people were living their lives and you know in a way that um, they had no restrictions on them except very uh, except um your character who i mean you're real-life character who ended up in all these fights, and also, he was left at the altar by Greta Garbo.
17: No, he really wasn't. That, really? That That's story, nice, oh, hmm. That story has been kind of both blown out of proportion. Mm-hmm. You hear 800 different versions of it from 800 mm-hmm. different people. Mm-hmm. I don't think there really was a romance between John Gilbert and Greta Garbo, no and I hear old movie fans fainting all over the place. Um, yeah. She was a 21-year-old who just arrived in Hollywood, could barely speak English, and was pretty much terrified. And he fell madly in love with her and just bowled her over. I think mm-hmm. she was more scared of him than in love with him. And as soon as she got established at MGM and learned to speak English, she ran like hell from him. Hmm. What uh, the, interesting, right? the really interesting romance, I find, is at the end of his life with Marlena Dietrich, because they were both hitting middle age. They were both grown-ups, and she was trying to save him from himself and give him a new career as a character actor.
5: Mm. By that time, had alcohol? listen really hit him bad?
17: Yeah, he was very, very sick for the last two or three years of his life. Uh, Virginia Bruce, his last wife, said he had um, uh, ulcers and was vomiting blood for, like, two years. And he was also, when you when you look at him in the 1930s, he was obviously malnourished, because he was living on booze and no food. Mm-hmm. So
2: after Hollywood kind of jettisoned him, did he go to German movies?
17: No, no, he, um, he refused to give up his MGM contract. He said that I will sweep floors, but I am not giving them the satisfaction of firing me. So they put him in crap films with... Uh, You know, no star, co-stars. And still some of the films they put him in were very good, uh, despite themselves. Um, If you look at Downstairs, for instance, and The Phantom of Paris, terrific films, definitely worth seeing. And those were some B films that MGM put him in. And then he wound up at Columbia for his last film with The Captain Hates the Sea, which is kind of a seagoing B version of Grand Hotel, and it is terrific. It is such an enjoyable film. I, I recommend everybody try to watch this one.
5: Well, Eve Golden, you have done wonderful work with books like around Kay Kendall and other famous people. That I, I love your work. Oh, thank uh, you, darling. Yeah, you're welcome, darling. But uh, we found Tulula Bankhead, I think. But um, I wanted to know, is it true that Louis B. Mayer fixed the sound uh, when... No.
17: No, okay, that wouldn't have that. even have been physically possible at that time, and um, it would have been. what I'm talking about, please. Uh, well, there were rumors that uh, somehow Louis B. Mayer was so anxious to destroy John Gilbert that he fiddled with the sound technology in his early talkies to make his voice sound high and squeaky. Mm-hmm. And not only was that not physically possible to do at that time. But his voice sounded fine. You listen to his, he actually had a lower voice than Clark Gable. Sure, See, Queen Christina,
5: if people want to see that with Gobbo.
17: Well, that was one of his later talkies, but in Mm -hmm. his very first talkies, like Redemption and His Glorious Night, uh, his voice was fine. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then uh, Brad Pitt's going to play him in a movie called Babylon, is that right?
17: I'm not sure what's going on with that. I think that's uh, still in production. It hasn't been released yet, and I think he's playing a uh, John Gilbert-like character, mm-hmm. like in The Artist. It's not actually John yeah. Gilbert, but partially yeah. based on him. Good casting. Good casting. But we'll see. We'll see what happens when mm-hmm. it comes out.
2: What do you think is the one thing that? Because you know we we hear all these rumors and, and Jan and I have thrown eight things at you and you've said they're all <laughs> they're all wrong. So <laughs> what what is what is the one thing about him a truth that you would like to come out?
17: Thank you, Rick. <laughs> um, I think how really talented he was, and that he made a lot of mistakes, but he owned up to all of them. Uh, he he knew himself, and he admitted uh... I screwed up it's my own fault and uh... one one of the saddest things is that he was well on his way to being a great character actor which is what he really wanted to do at the time of his step he could have gone on like Adolf Manjou and had another 20 or 30 mm-hmm, years in films mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if he hadn't drank himself to death
8: <laughs>
2: so what was that breakdown like for him did he die penniless were there friends or? oh god
17: no he had more money than god mm-hmm. um... He saved his money, he lived in a beautiful mansion, he had a gorgeous blonde nurse attending him at the end, um, you know, if you've got to go.
5: <laughs> I love the way that you love your characters that you write about. Oh, Every I can't write anybody who, read... who
17: huh? I don't like. Yeah. I mean, how do people write about Hitler? How does somebody want Hitler as a roommate for three years, you know? I've got to write about people I like and whose work I admire. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean that I do whitewashes or mm-hmm. cut the no, in breaks. No. I'm very tough on them, but I do have to like them as people.
2: What would you say was his best movie and his worst movie?
17: Oh, my gosh. Well, of course, his worst movie was uh, His Glorious Night, which was uh, his first release talkie. It wasn't the first one made, but they released it first. And, oh, my God, first of all, I hate ruritarian romances anyway. Can't stand them, and this is just so badly written and so badly directed. And uh, John Gilbert would come back from the grave and haunt me, which actually I wouldn't mind one bit <laughs> if I didn't say that the big parade was his best film. Oh, the uh, big parade, World War One drama, one of his best performances. But I also love um, again his last film, The Captain Hates the Sea. And there's a silent that's not that famous called The Show, uh, where he plays this really dashing, charming villain, very sexy uh, in a carnival, almost like Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that one uh, is a 1927 silent, definitely worth seeking out.
5: Mm we have a lot of military people who listen, and The Big Parade is a great military film. I mean, it's one, It was
17: written by uh, an author who lost his leg in World War I, mm-hmm. and this was a very you know, realistic war drama by someone who had been there. So mm-hmm. it's not romanticized at all.
2: What can you say about the leading woman in that movie, Renee Adore? Oh, right. Renee Adore? Oh, she needs a book.
17: Um, uh-huh, yeah, there There you go. go. She was a a, uh, French actress who was very big in silent films and, of course, had problems with talkies because she had a very heavy French accent, and she died of tuberculosis very young in the early
12: 1930s.
2: Well, we want to make sure everybody checks out John Gilbert, the last of the silent film stars from the John Gilbert expert herself. Eve Golden Eve congratulations on the book thanks for stopping by
17: Thank you Thank you so much it's always wonderful to talk to you guys
5: okay. all right. Take care Good
2: stuff and oh, Jen you got some
5: a, I should do boy she's a good writer mm.
2: Yeah good stuff Yeah every, mm-hmm. I, I I came up with 5 things and they were all wrong
18: I know me too
2: <laughs> All right <laughs> We're so good Rick I, <laughs> That tells you what the internet's all about <laughs> All right I'm her tittle, Jen Wall come on back oh, yeah. we'll
8: the big stuff who do
14: Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full
1: 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789. Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open Road Lending can reduce your car payment That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
19: Come on, you watch the news. Be prepared to pay more taxes. Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you.
1: You know, over time, you know, the more and more you do something, the better you get at it. just like, you know, you didn't become this excellent
0: at radio overnight. You know, you know exactly when to say we got one minute left. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: Because I'm so good
0: looking. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Practice makes perfect.
20: You
11: must be crazy. Use a DOG. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
2: All right, Jen Wall, what should we be watching?
11: Well, you know, we were just talking to the divine
5: Ruta Lee and her book, Consider Your Ass Kiss." Great title. Mm -hmm. And she made two of the world's wonderful movies, and they are both available if you stream them. One is called Witness for the Prosecution. It is a tough film noir, Uh, uh, one of the last movies made by Tyrone Power, and he is not the good guy here. And he is just twisted and sick. And it's got murder, and it's got mistresses, including Marlena Dietrich, who is just incredible. So Ruda Lee tells her right to her face that she's old, and she's taken her place. I mean, it's just this great movie. So, And Charles Lawton is this attorney. Oh, it's fantastic. It's called Witness for the Prosecution, one of the great Billy Wilder movies. The other one is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And if you want a rollicking good time and get your head out of the news, Oh, God, the news is so depressing right now and scary. So go to Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and you'll see Root as one of the brides. But it's such a fun, rollicking, great-time movie. So I would go for those two.
2: Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. They all The brides all had normal names except one, and I would have been stuck with Dorcas.
5: I love the name Dorcas. You don't like it?
2: Dorcas for well, a girl? It doesn't even work for a guy.
5: She's built like Julie Newmar. Hello? <laughs> That's who plays Dorcas.
2: I love that 1930s reference.
5: <laughs> <laughs> catwoman, baby, Catwoman. And then, of course, the new movie, Please Coda, everybody, C-O-D-A, Children of Deaf Adults. One of the best movies I've ever seen, Coda, just is up for best picture right now.
2: You know, it's uh, you were alluding to Ruta Lee and, and Frank yeah. Sinatra. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. If you look back at Rita Lee's uh, uh-huh. young days, she uh-huh. was gorgeous,
5: drop dead gorgeous, and Sinatra was apparently uh, gifted in many ways.
2: Well, when you can have any woman in Hollywood,
5: yeah, I mean, anybody, anywhere in the world, not just Hollywood.
2: Yeah, and then, but he was obsessed with Mia Farrow. What was that all about?
5: Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: She was going to do Rose. This is a story I heard. She wanted to do Rosemary's Baby, and he said, get back here right now. And she said, no, and that's how it ended.
5: That's right. Now, that's correct. <laughs> Unlike all the stuff we did with Eve Golden, that's <laughs> definitely correct. But, you know, uh, she um, she was during his midlife crisis. Hmm. So, you know, she, yeah, her hair she was
2: really 23 short. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and Ava
5: Gardner said she was her hair was cut really, really short to spite him. Really, yeah, really short. And, a, and Ava Gardner said, I knew Frank would end up in the feathers with a young boy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, hey, Jan, <laughs> great stuff as always. Thanks for coming by. Okay, and we'll, honey. We'll have a great weekend. You too. All right, that's Jan Wall. We have uh, two more hours to go. We're going to talk to you, 1-800-878-PLAY. We'll have some sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
10: Radio
20: News with
10: John Hunt. World leaders are denouncing Russia's invasion of Ukraine, with President Joe Biden saying it will bring catastrophic loss of life and human suffering, and the head of the European Union, Ursula von der Leyen, calling it barbaric.
3: Once again, in the center of Europe, innocent women, men and children, are dying of fear for their lives. We condemn this barbaric attack and the cynical arguments to justify it.
10: Japan, Australia and Canada are among other nations that have issued statements condemning the attack, which has triggered a wave of anger across Europe with its leaders demanding Russia immediately stop the invasion. And now China may be following Russia's lead as Taiwan's defense ministry said that nine Chinese aircraft have entered its defense zone just hours after Russia launched their invasion into Ukraine. The ministry said that mission involved eight J-16 sorties and one Y-8 reconnaissance airplane. This is USA Radio News. Billy Gerard, I'm here with George D, a longtime user of Revive One. George, tell me,
7: how has Revive One changed your life? I've had some planner fish, that that's the bottom of my feet. Have been really hurting and not anything that can relieve them quickly is except for the Revive. Yeah, I've, I've tried all kinds of other products that have been available. Well, I just want to say, you know, with the Revive product, I can see almost an instantaneous through, but it's a great not product. Not
21: available in stores or on Amazon. Get yours factory direct at painfreeland.com. That's painfreeland.com. Use coupon code SAVE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Pain relief or your money back at PainFreeLand.com or call 877-577-2289. Not available in stores or on Amazon. PainFreeLand.com. Coupon code SAVE20. The active ingredient in Revive One has been shown to temporarily relieve pain associated with arthritis, muscle strains, sprains, and more. Use only as
10: directed. More bad news for the Biden administration on the economy. The poverty rate for children in the U.S. has now surged since monthly government checks from the expanded child tax credit ended in December, according to a new study from Columbia University. An additional 3.7 million children slipped into poverty in January, pushing the national child poverty rate to over 17 percent compared to 12.1 percent in December, the highest poverty rate for kids since 2016. A total 12.6 million children are now living below the poverty line. U.S. auto safety regulators are investigating complaints that the automatic emergency braking systems on more than 1.7 million newer Hondas can stop the vehicles for no reason. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it has over 280 complaints that the problem can happen in 2017 through 2019 CRV SUVs and 2018 and 19 Accord sedans. The agency announced the probe on its website. This is USA Radio News
11: right now people are home with their pets more often and I think now especially with the shedding they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue and Dynavite has helped tremendously in our house with that
12: I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times I said
22: you know what I'll I'll give it a shot and I ordered it and tried it and it worked the Dynavite being at home working with them they all love it me
11: and Chewy are together 24 7
22: within three weeks he's not scratching and itching and he's an all-around happier dog
11: d-i-n-o-v-i-t-e.com
10: Conservative Political Action Conference is underway. And with a preview, here's USA Radio's Lance Pry.
7: Conservatives are invading Orlando, Florida today. Roughly 20,000 Republicans will convention through Sunday as the Conservative Political Action Conference gets underway. The four day gathering will feature discussions with titles like Fire Fauci and The Moron in Chief. State Representative Chip Lamarca says it's a chance for people to get fired up about the direction of the Republican Party and upcoming elections. President Trump is this year's headline speaker. Also on the lectern, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senators Rick Scott and Marco Rubio. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry.
10: The United States Postal Service said it's now cleared the final regulatory hurdle to placing orders for next-generation mail vehicles and getting some of them on delivery routes by next year, despite pushback from the Environmental Protection Agency. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy said the completion of an evaluation required by the National Environmental Policy Act is an important milestone for postal carriers who have soldiered on with overworked delivery trucks that went into service around 1987. The U.S. Postal Service's fleet comprises of more than 230,000 vehicles, including 190,000 local delivery vehicles that are due to be replaced. The decision allows the Postal Service to proceed with placing the first order that will include at least 5,000 electric powered vehicles. Stay updated with our ever-changing world at usaradio.com. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt.
20: I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. If you've had a revision or removal surgery of a hernia mesh implant after 2008, pay close attention to this message.
1: That's 800-817-2968
5: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
3: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
2: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tiddle with you, coast to coast, around the world, on American Forces Radio Network. Great to have you with us while you're listening in this. Great land of ours. By the way, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, quarterback for the New England Patriots. He says that he's going to give up a vice in preparation for uh, for his sophomore year in the uh, in the Bigs, uh, if you like. Um, The Patriots did finish 10-7, and and they got to the playoffs, and he got a Pro Bowl nod. (laughs) High praise from his teammates, 23 years old. What is that vice? Is he going to stop vaping? No, he doesn't vape. Cut back on the ice cream, y'all. He said on Patriots.com, quote, I like ice cream too much, like a lot of people. I just want to limit it and then try and eat healthy like we do with the Patriots. Every day they give us great food. I've just got to talk to Ted Harper, our nutritionist, and make sure we're on the same page. This is what's called first world problems. But he said, this off-season will be a big, big part of it, just getting stronger and cleaning up on my diet and all that. So there's a lot of that that's going to go into it before next season even starts. That's the important part, attacking that, And then hopefully a lot of big changes will come, whether it's the mechanics or the playbook, and I have a lot of time now to digest everything and kind of just let it take over and how I want to do it. So there you go. Oh, he's cutting down on the ice cream. It's got to be killing Jags fans that Evan Neal is still listed as the number one overall pick. Oh, I'm not saying he's not a good tackle. And you got to build. But that's the kind of thing I think that'll haunt you. Unless the guy's all pro every year and then you think, all right, the building block. All right, um, we got comedian Alex Hopper on the other side. We got director Martha Coolidge. We got Michael Rappaport this hour as well. So come on back on Sports Byline USA.
15: got a party of 10 coming in and we need to flip those two tables. Leah's restaurant is fully booked night after night. Section 3 is still behind. She no longer has reservations about finally finding a hostess. Why doesn't 23 have menus? Oh, because in my hand. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
10: I need postcards printed and designed. Oh, and a targeted direct mail campaign. It's possible at Staples.
9: I need my presentation printed, bound, and perfect. Also possible with Staples Print Big Promise. Your small business marketing will
13: make a big impact. And right now, get 20% off custom printed signs, banners, and posters when you spend $75 or more. Explore what's new at Staples, the working and learning store. Ends 226. Visit staples.com signage for
23: details.
12: Check out
2: Channel 9. Check out Rick Tittle. All right, check me out coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show stand-up comedian and actor Alex Hooper. He has a a brand-new album out from A Special Thing Records called Alex Hooper, Calm Down, Peasants. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Um, I got to get the obvious out of the way, at least for me. In high school, I loved that Burt Reynolds movie. How many times have you seen Hooper?
18: (laughs) i I have seen it a
12: couple of times i've also you know i have also captained a shark boat and been on sesame street and uh been mistaken for alice cooper one too many times
2: (laughs) now your album uh, i'm just looking at the cover and to say that it's a psychedelic drug trip is an understatement where did you come up with the album cover
12: so, uh, I actually was inspired by a guy on Instagram. My uh, first album was, had a very trippy cover as well, but more like a little bit more realistic, an actual photo of me. I uh, found this guy on Instagram named Young and Sick is his handle. And he just makes all these really cool, like that kind of visual, trippy, brain fart kind of art. And he reached out to me to say he really liked my work. And so I asked him if he would do an album, for me, uh, album to, uh, art for me and he was all about it, and I just let him go to town, and that's what he sent me.
2: I love that new genre, brain fart art.
12: (laughs) You know, it's it's, it's, uh, taking over mocha very soon.
2: (laughs) So you're from the Charm City, and of course a lot of people just think of Hamsterdam. It's a lot more than that, isn't it?
12: Oh, certainly, of course it is. I mean that is a big part of us, obviously. Um, you know, the wire is how most people know Baltimore, but um, yeah, I mean, Baltimore is a gritty city. The people are wonderful, they are hard working and very real, and I love it so much it's just i i I had nineteen years there, and it gave me what i needed
2: i remember um, i remember I remember reading Admiral Howe in the Revolutionary War for the British said Baltimore is a city of snakes and pirates. Your thoughts? Ooh,
18: well, I
12: definitely am a lizard person. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, and so I, 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 have been, I have been known to make people walk the plank on occasion. <laughs> so, specifically in Pilates class. So, I think that is a very accurate statement.
2: Very good. Now, I know you've done roast battles. I was just in uh, Manhattan in December, and I Saw a roast battle at the New York Comedy Club. Um, And the thing that I found disconcerting, these kids today, they read all of their insults off their phones. They were just holding them. I like it when the comedians memorize their insults. Your thoughts?
12: Uh, completely. I, I've never been a person to look at my phone on stage, even when I'm doing, even when I'm doing a roast battle. I, I make sure that I learn the jokes, because it just takes you out of the present moment when you see somebody just reading the joke. It doesn't feel as authentic as when you're looking directly at your opponent and delivering it directly to their gut. You know, Is Mike Tyson looking at his trainer when he punches somebody in the face? No. <laughs> he's, like, he's too busy thinking about chewing on their ears.
2: And, you know, a lot of them were, well, you know, my opponent here, his dad died of cancer and his mom cheated on him before he died. You know, it's just how personal and, like, like you know, just like later on you felt, oh, I feel icky after I just said that.
12: It depends. If I know the person well enough, then I can go as hard as I want on jokes like that. Mm-hmm. If I don't know you, and let's just say we got paired up um, because – for whatever reason, then I have to be a little bit kinder about it because I don't know. I don't want to suck your soul out of you <laughs> while a room full of people is watching. I don't need to see you melt into a puddle of death. <laughs> we're putting on a show, you know. I'm not trying. Right. I'm not trying to destroy your ego.
2: Well, I mentioned that you've done a lot of TV, and um, I, I had the guys behind corporate, Matt, and um, what's the other guy? Uh, Jake. Jake, Matt, and Jake on the show. Right when they were starting what a hilarious show. And I what, did the pandemic kill that show?
12: I don't know. I mean, I just think, I mean, you know, Comedy Central's a weird beast. And I mean, to get three seasons of a show on Comedy Central is an achievement in itself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was lucky enough to be uh, a very small part in that show. I was there on the first day of filming, and I had been doing open mics with those guys for years. So to suddenly see them in control of a huge production and millions of dollars, it was just... It was such an honor to be there. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we do comedy—to be inspired by what our friends do.
2: Well, you created something too. All caps crave. Tell us more. Oh, yeah, so craze was
12: a, uh, it's, it's on hiatus for now, but it was an all-night comedy warehouse party that I ran for years where basically think about, like, any big, like, rave or festival you've been to, Burning Man, stuff like that, and uh, put that into one night filled with comedy, music, Fire spinners, live painters, dancers, like any kind of weird performers we could bring in there to basically create our own universe for the night is what we did. And it was such a fun time. Uh, I want to bring it back at some point, but obviously with the pandemic right now, it's very difficult to say, hey, yeah, let's all get together and be in an intimate space for 10 hours and nothing can possibly go wrong.
2: You almost sound like Bill Hader's Stefan. In one corner, we had the rabbis and the midgets. Yeah.
12: <laughs> <laughs> Big inspiration for me.
2: Sure. A couple more questions here for Alex Hooper. So what are we going to get on this album? What are we in store for?
12: So this album, uh, it's my second one. Uh, it's very much about personal growth and about what, uh, I have gone through to basically get myself to the point in my life where I am this happy, positive, optimistic, yet still incredibly dark personality. Uh, I try to very much mix silliness with overall dark themes. So even, uh, and what, you know, I'm, I'm telling a kid that he's great and that I love him while also telling him he's going to kill himself. You know, things like that that are just very real themes of life. But it also, it builds on itself. This album is meant to be listened to as a whole. There's a ton of callbacks, and it leads to a giant crescendo. um, And I really hope people listen to it from front to back as opposed to just individual tracks. You'll enjoy it individually, but if you listen to it as a whole, it's a much better listening experience.
2: Yeah cuz I know nowadays these TikTokers we just want 15 second bits you're saying see the forest for the trees
12: Yeah of course totally like I mean that's you know it I I kind of look at I love listening to a full album back in the day. I mean, you know, I grew up in the 90s, and when you bought a CD, that's just what you listened to for the next three weeks. Every time you left your house, you were listening to that same album, and now I think that's kind of a, it's becoming a lost art because of our attention spans. We just want the next thing again and again. We eat content like it's cereal. And so I really... Hopefully people listen to it like that. If they don't, I have no control.
2: <laughs> but that's right. how I made it. <laughs> well, and, and you being dark, that's why Simon Cow likes you, huh?
12: Very much so. I mean, Simon Cowell is a prince of darkness himself. He, uh, I'm pretty sure he is the devil incarnate. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, The X Factor would not still be a show 15 years later. I don't know how he's doing it. Um, but you know what? I'm glad to have an overdone tater tot on my side. That man has been nothing but good to me.
2: Wearing a uh, V-neck black shirt, right?
12: <laughs> Always. And <laughs> eating little oranges. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's on
12: TV. Do you know that 10 million people are watching you right now, Simon?
2: (laughs) All right, there he is, Alex Hooper. Make sure to check out the new album, Calm Down, Peasants, and it's available from A Special Thing Records. Alex, congratulations on the album, and if you're ever in uh, San Francisco, come by the studio, man.
12: Definitely, Rick. Thank you so much for having me. You Have a beautiful day.
2: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Uh, Coming up next, Martha Coolidge, director.
1: That's 800-693-8290.
0: Life insurance is one of those things that just about everybody needs, but few people actually have. Hey, if you die unexpectedly without life insurance, guess what? You'll leave your family with even a bigger mess. Pricing
1: information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654.
3: Sometimes when I'm driving on the road at night, I see two headlights coming toward me, fast. I have this sudden impulse to turn the wheel quickly, head on into the oncoming car. I can anticipate the explosion, the sound of shattering glass, the flames rising out of the flowing gasoline. Right. Well, I have to to go now, Duane, because I'm due back on the planet Earth.
11: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
2: Welcome back to Sports Byline, USA, coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure uh, to welcome to the show seasoned and award-winning director Martha Coolidge. She has a brand new movie uh, coming out today. It is called I'll Find You from Gravitas Ventures. Martha, when I think about you, know, you working in the 70s on, on documentaries and then in today, how much has all the technology changed and then how much of it is it still directing exactly the same?
23: Uh, well, God, boy, is that a complex question. Um, I would say that what is important and every director has to know this, you have to have a story and you have to know your story and you have to care about your story so you have to be involved in your story you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and therefore in that sense it hasn't changed what has changed but not that it's changed a lot how you do it but the truth is with directing if you look at silent films it's amazing what they did if their minds could think of it they could do it they'd figure we are better at that now and we have more ways to figure out what how to do it. So it's uh, it's a treat in that sense. It costs money, it, but it's a treat to be a director and to have other options in your file.
2: Got you. I'll find you a World War II love story. Tell us a little bit more about that story, please, Martha.
23: Well, when it, it, it came to me from Fred Roos, who I've known for many years, and when I went in and worked with Coppola, and uh, it, 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 it's uh, based on actually many true stories, but certainly uh, stories that are involved in the financier uh, John's family. And um, Bozina, who's one of the producers, wrote the first script. And it, it was huge, huge, but there was within it this love story, and I just, I loved the love story. I loved the idea of going to Poland, which we know has been so used as a battleground for so many countries mm-hmm. uh, in European war, and to, to look at a love story as the way through it, that... Somehow, how do people survive? We all are products of survivors. That's what we are. We wouldn't be here if we weren't. But um, it was a very, very productive and great way to enter into the story and to find our way through the masses of uh Stuff that were, was done in World War II, I mean and traveling all over the world you, it was still sort of a mess, and that is really a treat and it's great to end up in New York with this and it's true I mean with this fantasy and have them have them have a future somehow.
2: Yeah, filmed in uh, Krakow and, and uh, Lodz as well. It's it's uh, very cool. You know, you mentioned Coppola. And um, I, when I was a senior in high school, the movie Valley Girl came out. And that's when I ah. got my first look at Nicolas Cage. What's it like to be a part of that sort of American zoetrope uh, orbit?
23: Well, uh, it was great. I mean, Francis did all the things he probably always wanted to do. And he had people there to be mentors. He had regular film screenings. Uh, you know, we we met people, we talked, um, but what was frustrating was how long it took to get to make something that's normal about a feature. And uh, so I had to fall through. And then since then, Fred and I have been sort of trying to <laughs> work together since then. Um, but it was great because it was, truthfully, a large group of very artistic people with tremendous talent and thought. And uh, to watch what was done at Zoetrope and what Francis did with his films, and it, was, it was incredible to see it.
2: You know, you've worked with so many amazing actors, and I think about Out to Sea with Make em Laugh, Donald O'Connor, Jack Lemon, Walter Matthau. When you're dealing with Hollywood royalty like that, what was there? Were there any meltdowns or temper tantrums, or did everybody get along swimmingly?
23: Oh no, there were. There weren't any temper tantrums. What was very interesting to me, I was of course intimidated. Normally, uh, came in, and what was funny is they had lunch with me. This was early, and uh, they said to each other, and and or. Jack said something like well we have a cute one now meaning a cute director. <laughs> and um it was it was nice. They were very nice and I just used my usual get to know them and really know how what clicks. And what was really interesting is they don't work the same way. They have great respect for each other. But they would tease each other to say, "Do it funny this time, will you?" you
8: know? <laughs> they
23: had different opinions, and that was that was very funny. And they were um, they were really uh, it was a very homey thing. And I got to work. Oh my God! I mean, all these actors: Elaine Stritch, Donald O'Connor, Diane Cannon. It was it was great. These are were legends in my childhood. You know.
2: No doubt. And I, you know, I think about when I was in college, when Real Genius came out. I was just wondering if you saw the recent Val Kilmer documentary and what you thought of that.
23: I haven't seen it yet. I have been saving it because there's all these movies to see. But I hear it's really interesting. I'm sure it is.
2: Yeah. No, they go into that. And then, of course, for people who don't know, uh, Martha Coolidge, our guest, was the first ever female uh, president of the Directors Guild of America, and with any type of guild or union, there's going to be a lot of politics uh, involved in it. Did you find that an easy year, or was that like fraught with a lot of anxiety?
23: Oh God, no, no. Times then were not easy. It it, it sort of all led up to this time, but there was a lot of uh, upset and a lot of runaway production, and we had some insurance, uh, health insurance issues. A lot of things that had to be dealt with, um, so it it was uh, in that sense difficult. And uh, some people at the guild weren't ready for a woman uh, president. And uh, but it was spectacular. It's a spectacular education because you're all of a sudden it's open to the world of of what this union uh gets into it's it's so important to other unions and other countries and uh that was uh, something i didn't know until i was there and you can't really express it to people until you're there
2: very interesting and when i look through all the great films you have done and tv shows as well is there one that kind of sticks out as your shining pride is it rambling rose introducing dorothy dandridge do you have a favorite
23: well, you you just m- mentioned two of them. Uh, you know, the truth is, I have found that most films... I love most films when I'm making them anyway. And uh, it isn't like I finish it and then I don't like it anymore. That's not true. Um, but, you know, Rambling Rose took a lot of time. And it was a project of Calder's for years. And then me. And I... And, and Laura and, Ma, uh, and me together. And it's, it, it was special. It's a very special film. To get that made is special. So I felt honored to be able to make that film. It was terrific. And, and introducing Dorothy Dandridge in many ways was the same thing. Uh, the fact is they sort of looked at every black director. So now they looked at women directors and uh, it was Hallie who picked me um and it was an incredible film because it is important it is important what hallie not hallie sorry it is important what dorothy did in her career and did in hollywood and how she uh, she could break down barriers but not all of them and you know long discussions and between hallie and myself if this was suicide or not and You know, it's a very, very uh, complex picture, and she had a very complex life.
2: No doubt about it. We want to remind everyone to check out I'll Find You, the brand-new movie from director Martha Coolidge, available today from Gravitas Ventures, theaters, video on demand uh, as well. Martha, congratulations on the film, and thanks for stopping by
23: thank you thank you it's great talking to you
2: all right good stuff i'm rick tittle we'll take a quick break and return on sports byline oh
8: yeah Ooh. the big stuff who do you-
2: Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence when it's time to perform. No visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right prescription. Blue Chew's tablets are chewable, and they're made in the USA. They prepare and ship directly, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Plus, there's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code SPORTS at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code
9: SPORTS to receive your first month free. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR.
1: Call Rate Genius now. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's 800-811-7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time
21: of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors.
16: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? Don't believe us, we'll offer you a money back guarantee. If you're ready to start losing weight right now, call right now to learn more about your risk-free order to BodySculpt.
1: Call for your risk-free offer 800-738-5332, 800-738-5332, 800-738-5332. That's 800-738-5332.
0: When do broadcasters go too
6: far? Where Does Hilarity Stop and Vulgarity Begin?
12: I remember how it all began. I used to sing dirty raps to my Eastside fans. Back then, I knew you couldn't stop this rap. No MC could rock like that in the new style.
11: He gave up the mic and bought you a beeper. Do not ask Rick Tittle to bring it, because it already done got brought.
2: <laughs> All right, it gotten brought. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's great to welcome back to the show once again stand-up comedian and actor Michael Rapaport, He's got a run going uh, right now at uh, Helium Buffalo, and uh, you want to make sure that uh, you get down there. He's got a couple of shows uh, tomorrow he's got one tonight, uh, Saturday night as well. Uh, Rap, welcome back to the show, man. And just how cold is it up there? You know,
18: it, it's it's it it's humbly cold in Buffalo. Um, I uh, went for a little walk last night, and I wanted to cry. You know, like I'm not going to lie, like I, I wanted to cry. Like I felt like a little boy. <laughs> who was sort of displaced from his parents, walking around confused. Like, it hit me so hard. I was like, yo, this is... And I'm sure for people in Buffalo, they're probably like, oh, don't be a wuss, blah, 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 blah. But I, I, they're accustomed to it. You know, like, if you're accustomed to that sort of cold, uh, uh, you, you know, that's probably nothing. But for uh, you know, a person, even from New York City, this was beyond normal cold up here. But I love performing up here i love the people of buffalo they're they're, they're crazy uh they're fun uh uh and uh, the shows are great and you know i got you know shows the rest of the weekend and i'm on tour next week i'm, I'm in pittsburgh and i just you know i'm having a great time you know uh, on tour
2: that's awesome i remember one time when i was in college i went to niagara falls of course right next to buffalo and I started, I was walking around, and I'm from Oakland, right? So I started to get kind of warm, and I sat down. I go, let me just sit down for a second. And my East Coast friends were like, you're starting to get, uh, you're starting to die. Uh, Uh, Yeah, they go, this is, your brain is telling you to sit down, uh, but if you sit down, you're going to die. And I thought, wow, so back here, if your car breaks down and you don't have blankets, you can die.
18: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> that that's what I'm talking about. Like it's it's not for if you're not accustomed to it, like it, it, all bets are off. Um but uh I I'm definitely not going to stop moving and I'm definitely going to find shelter if need be. But but you know, it it, it you know, like I said, I, I like uh you know these people in in, in Buffalo. Uh they're, they're New Yorkers uh, um and uh you know, it it's cool up here and you know, I was I feel their sympathy just like I feel uh, you guys, sympathy up there. You know, you are uh, you, your San Francisco fans, uh, so close yet so far. Uh, again, um, you know, uh, the, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, had a shot, and that Patrick Mahomes boy, he, he got him. Um, you know, uh, so uh, uh, it, it's 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 a, it's a good time. I love I love going on the you know the road, and everybody, you know, every, every city's got their sports stuff. Because you know, I talk politics sometimes, but sports could be. Even more divisive if you don't know, you know, uh, if you if you talk out of pocket or say something crazy in the wrong city, uh you could definitely cause like a a, a riot in the club.
2: Well I know they jump onto card tables when things are going well, so if you mention the non squib kick, you might get attacked.
18: Yes, a hundred percent. A hundred percent or if you say wide right in any context. <laughs> like in any context. I mean not that you would say wide right in in many different contexts but if you say it in in any context that that could go bad too.
2: I remember somebody wrote an article during the playoffs some national sports writer and he said, "Yeah, they're uh they got their buffalo wings dipping them in ranch and the whole city almost shut down cuz they're like, "It's blue cheese, you
14: idiot."
18: Right. They they take their buffalo wings very seriously. Um uh, but but like I said, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good place, and uh, we had a good shows last night, and I'm looking forward to tearing it up uh, the rest of the weekend out here.
2: There are some people who say, you know, like all oh, those Bills fans, you know, the the four uh, Super Bowl losses, but but they're loyal, they keep turning out. But then on the other hand, you say, well, what else are you going to do up there? Of course you're, <laughs> you're going to go to the damn game.
18: You're saying that, that ain't me saying that, that's you saying that, and I'm not even necessarily agreeing or or not agreeing, I just want to make sure that that was not Michael Rappaport uh, 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 saying that, um, but but you know, it's snowing now, it was like six inches of snow yesterday, and like, that's like sunbathing, like people are out like in shorts, like there's nothing, like I'm like, I'm hibernating in, in the hotel here. <laughs>
2: A couple more questions from Michael Rappaport at Buffalo Helium, heliumcomedy.com for tickets. Um, the, the dunk contest, uh, a lot of people uh, weren't inspired and they think that we've run out of dunks. And no offense to the Juan Toscano Andersons of the world, but I kind of liked it when it was Jordan and Dominique and, you know, Vince Carter. It kind of seems like uh, these are NBA no names doing it now.
18: I blame LeBron James for making the dunk contest uncool lebron at 37 could have won last week's dunk contest in sweatpants (laughs) he never competed in it so the guys like zion whenever he's healthy if he's ever healthy again the guys like john Morant and many other people who i can't even name don't want to participate it's an honor to be in the NBA. It's an honor to be asked to be in. Like, you see all these 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 guys that I just mentioned. You saw them dunk in high school. You saw him dunk in college. But you won't do the biggest dunk contest in the world for some reason. And, the like, you mentioned Dominique and Michael Jordan. Like, Cole Anthony, I love this dad. He's a New York Knick, UNLV running Rebels. The first dunk should just be, just dunk it as hard as you effing, Ken. Like, forget all the Timberlands and the boots and pulling rabbits out of your, your, your butt and magic tricks. Just the first dunk should just be get warmed up. And I mean, dunk it hard. You know, Dominique, if you looked at his dunks, you know, it, 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 to this day, they, they, they still live up because he dunked it so ferociously. There was so much power and so much, like, I mean, he threw the ball down. I don't, like, jumping over people is now played out. But just a straight up, like, I'm dunking the crap out of the ball. That's become, like, some sort of, like, you know, old-fashioned thing. I think, I I just wish I could be there. I wish I could be at the Dunk Contest and and heckle these dudes and, and challenge them. Like, get warmed up. You know, Donovan Mitchell, his performance in the Dunk Contest a few years ago was outstanding. You know, because he tried. He cared. And, and, and I don't know why it's like, I don't know why it's not cool to care about the NBA slam dunk contest. It's the NBA slam dunk contest. You're not at Venice Beach. No disrespect. <laughs> it's the NBA. What other dunk contest? Like your whole life, you've been doing these dunks, and then you get to the NBA slam dunk contest and you're too cool to, to care and try. It's really bothersome to me. Really, really, really bothersome to me.
2: It's weird how it's turned into jury duty for some of these stars, yeah. But you mentioned LeBron and sweats. Jury
18: duty! That's right! It's jury yeah. duty. Like, it's a burden to be in the slam dunk contest in the NBA.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you say LeBron winning in sweats. If Brent Barry can win in a sweat jacket, then LeBron could win in sweatpants.
18: Exactly! Exactly. So, it, it, you know, it was ridiculous. I Also, my other thing that I didn't like about, and you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Golden State Warrior fan, Draymond disrespecting... Um, a uh, uh, Rudy Gobert publicly. W- w- what is the problem? What is it, what happened to the Brotherhood? He was disrespectful the whole time to Rudy Gobert. Not that Rudy Gobert is the greatest player, but to publicly like diss Rudy Gobert, like you know how they talk about the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood. He's making it seem like Rudy Gobert is a beyond a G Leaguer and and shouldn't even be playing. You know, professional basketball. And he was killing him on the broadcast the whole time, which I didn't understand. But you know, other than that, it, you know, it's for the kids. It's entertainment. It was an entertaining weekend. But that slam dunk contest is pathetic right now.
2: No, it's not. And, and yet, for people who don't know, when people were comparing Dre to Gobert, and he was saying, "You keep mentioning me in the same sentence. We're not, we're not alike. I don't cry." Like him, look, I can tell you just from knowing Draymond a little bit from working on that Warriors flagship station those years, Draymond, God love him, he won't stop talking. And like when Charles Barkley... Went Draymond
18: out, ruined you guys losing the series. Draymond oh, ruined that series. When
2: he teabagged he, LeBron. He,
18: he, he still doesn't take accountability. No. I saw a clip of him the other day. Draymond said that his biggest regret is that if he had, if they had won that series, he'd have won MVPs. The reason why you didn't win the series is because you you got suspended and then everything derailed. Obviously, it's a, it's a team sport, but that was the beginning of the end. He still hasn't acknowledged that's why they were able to come back, because of him. Well, and, h- and I love Draymond. I think he's a great player, but I, I feel like sometimes he's just talking and no one goes, no, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> like You ruined that series. That's your fault.
2: I think the one that, that's also dumb is that he called uh, KD out, called him a B-word, basically ended KD's run in the Bay Area, and then they got together for a pod a couple months ago, and he goes, yeah, it was Bob Myers and Steve Kerr's fault. I was like, what? No, that was you, dude.
18: It was you. It was you, man. It was you. And it was him. So, you know, like I said, I know he's... the, the, The guts and heart of the team, you know, was, is, he needs to get healthy. I want to see the Warriors win... Another championship, uh, 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 but he's just like. But you know, I guess you know, you know, greatness is is, is it, you know. There's a lot of craziness that involves with great people and unique people, you know, and it's part of the thing. But I just feel like you know, I don't know why anybody sort of doesn't just call him on his, his crap sometimes.
2: Well, that's when Barkley said uh, somebody should punch Draymond Green in the mouth, and then Draymond said, "Well, I got rings and you don't, so you can't talk." See, that's,
18: that's another thing, and, and Dray, Draymond Green will never be in the same category as Charles Barkley,
8: mm-hmm.
18: and, and that's the Charles Barkleyification of the NBA, because all these guys, Draymond didn't chase rings by any means, obviously he's a Gold State Warrior for life, but a lot of guys that are scrubs, they've been listening to Charles Barkley get shut down by anybody about the rings thing, and there's a you know there's a bunch of great players that never got rings, and there's no shame in it. He, mm-hmm. he tried. It was you know Michael Jordan took rings from everybody. Allen Iverson never got a ring.
2: Yeah. Dominique,
18: Carl Malone, you know Pat Ewing. There's plenty of players that, that that didn't get a ring, and they didn't go chasing
20: them either.
2: Right there he is, Michael Rappaport. The guy knows sports. He knows acting, and he certainly <clears> knows <throat> comedy. HeliumComedy.com. Get your tickets up there in uh, Buffalo. You got a show tonight. You got two Friday. He got a Saturday show hitting the road, Pittsburgh, and others. Check him out on the website. Michael, man, thanks for coming by. Always great talking with you.
18: Always appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, to all the service people out there, appreciate you guys. Stay safe. Love everybody.
2: Great stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byline News.
1: That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
19: Come on, you watch the news, be prepared to pay more taxes. Then if you owe back taxes or haven't filed in a few years, get ready. The IRS, the largest collection agency in the world, will be coming after you.
11: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
2: All right, uh, good quotes there from Michael Rappaport. Good stuff. All right, uh, I just want to tell you about a product called Blue Chew. Do you have Major League Nerf in your shorts? Do you not have any lead in your pencil? Well, Blue Chew is the unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as two girls... I went to high school with Viagra and Cialis. But in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost, Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence when it's time to perform. That's right. When the bell rings, you got to perform. Do I have to go to the doctor? No. Do I have to have an awkward conversation? No. Do I have to have a dumb voice like this? No. Do you have to go to the pharmacy? No. It ships to your door. Well, I don't want a big box that says, ding dong, the witch is dead on my, no, it's a discreet package. It's simple. Sign up at bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll get your prescription within days. And Blue Chew has licensed medical providers. They're not doctors from Grenada. They work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. How about all you weirdos that don't like swallowing pills? It hurts. It's awkward. I have a gag reflex. Well, no problems here. Because it's called Blue Chew, not Blue Swallow. Well, you will swallow it after you chew it. Blue Chew's tablets are chewable. And they're made in the USA. Not like those aggressive Putin pills. Nobody wants that. They don't even work. They're made in the USA. So just think, whenever you take one, George Washington is smiling somewhere. Somewhere, looking down on us. And they ship direct, so it is cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, if you go to Bluetooth.com, we have a special deal for my listeners. You can try it for free. You just put in promo code SPORTS, once again, at checkout. Put in promo code SPORTS, and it's going to be on Ricky T., You just pay $5 for shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code SPORTS to receive your first month free. And with every commercial read, I say, what do you think of that? All right. We still have another hour to go. The show that wouldn't end. Brought to you by Sports Byline.
10: USA Radio
20: News with
10: John Hunt. World leaders are denouncing Russia's invasion of Ukraine, with President Joe Biden saying it will bring catastrophic loss of life and human suffering, and the head of the European Union, Ursula von der Leyen, calling it barbaric.
3: Once again, in the center of Europe, innocent women, men and children, are dying of fear for their lives. We condemn this barbaric attack and the cynical arguments to justify it.
10: Japan, Australia, and Canada are among other nations that have issued statements condemning the attack, which has triggered a wave of anger across Europe, with its leaders demanding Russia immediately stop the invasion. And now China may be following Russia's lead as Taiwan's defense ministry said that nine Chinese aircraft have entered its defense zone just hours after Russia launched their invasion into Ukraine. The ministry said that mission involved eight J-16 sorties and one Y-8 reconnaissance airplane. This is USA Radio News. Billy Gerard, I'm here with George D, a longtime user of Revive One. George, tell me,
7: how has Revive One changed your life? I've had some planner fish, that that's the bottom of my feet. Have been really hurting and not anything that can relieve them quickly is except for the Revive. Yeah, I've, I've tried all kinds of other products that have been available. Well, I just want to say, you know, with the Revive product, I can see almost an instantaneous through, but it's a great not product. Not
21: available in stores or on Amazon. Get yours factory direct at painfreeland.com. That's painfreeland.com. Use coupon code SAVE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Pain relief or your money back at PainFreeLand.com or call 877-577-2289. Not available in stores or on Amazon. PainFreeLand.com. Coupon code SAVE20. The active ingredient in Revive One has been shown to temporarily relieve pain associated with arthritis, muscle strains, sprains, and more. Use only as
10: directed more bad news for the biden administration on the economy the poverty rate for children in the u.s has now surged since monthly government checks from the expanded child tax credit ended in december according to a new study from columbia university an additional 3.7 million children slipped into poverty in january pushing the national child poverty rate to over 17 percent compared to 12.1 percent in december the highest poverty rate for kids since 2016 a total 12.6 million children are now living below the poverty line. U.S. auto safety regulators are investigating complaints that the automatic emergency braking systems on more than 1.7 million newer Hondas can stop the vehicles for no reason. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it has over 280 complaints that the problem can happen in 2017 through 2019 CRV SUVs and 2018 and 19 Accord sedans. The agency announced the probe on its website. This is USA Radio News
11: right now people are home with their pets more often and i think now especially with the shedding they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue and DynaVite has helped tremendously in our house with that
12: i just heard the dynamite commercial so many times i said
22: you know what I'll, I'll give it a shot and i ordered it and tried it and it worked the Dyna-Bite, the being at home working with them they all love it me
11: and chewie are together 24 7
22: within three weeks he's not scratching and itching and he's an all-around happier dog d-i-n-o-v-i-t-e.com
10: Conservative Political Action Conference is underway. And with a preview, here's USA Radio's Lance Pry.
7: Conservatives are invading Orlando, Florida today. Roughly 20,000 Republicans will convention through Sunday as the Conservative Political Action Conference gets underway. The four day gathering will feature discussions with titles like Fire Fauci and The Moron in Chief. State Representative Chip LaMarca says it's a chance for people to get fired up about the direction of the Republican Party and upcoming elections. President Trump is this year's headline speaker. Also on the lectern, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senators Rick Scott and Marco Rubio. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry.
10: The United States Postal Service said it's now cleared the final regulatory hurdle to placing orders for next-generation mail vehicles and getting some of them on delivery routes by next year, despite pushback from the Environmental Protection Agency. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy said the completion of an evaluation required by the National Environmental Policy Act is an important milestone for postal carriers who have soldiered on with overworked delivery trucks that went into service around 1987. The U.S. Postal Service's fleet comprises of more than 230,000 vehicles, including 190,000 local delivery vehicles that are due to be replaced. The decision allows the Postal Service to proceed with placing the first order that will include at least 5,000 electric-powered vehicles. Stay updated with our ever-changing world at usaradio.com. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt. Here's a simple solution for you. If
14: you have back pain, knee pain, or any other pain in your body, it's as simple as drinking a glass of water every day. Your body is over 60% water, and drinking the best water you can get is crucial for your health. Some people have even replaced their morning coffee jolt with Echo Antioxidant Water. Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and
1: a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789.
5: Rick Tittle knows
18: his sports.
3: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch. Welcome back. Hour
2: number three. I love this story. Sven Joran Eriksson, if you know the name, he was head coach of the English national team, soccer team. He was a Swede. He was the first time ever that a non-Englishman was manager of England. (coughs) But um, he told the BBC yesterday that while he was on a business trip to North Korea, he was asked by the North Koreans to try to fix the 2010 FIFA World Cup draw. Remember, North Korea actually made it. And you remember their fans? They hired Chinese actors because you couldn't leave the country. Can you imagine a white guy saying, ah, just get Chinese people. Can you imagine how mad the Koreans would be? Those aren't Koreans, those are Chinese. Maybe they hired Chinese actors to pretend to be fans. But he said he was in North Korea in Pyongyang and he said, quote, the North Koreans knew I was a member of the FIFA committee and they said, can you help us, please? I said, of course, I can help you if I can. I thought they wanted balls or shoes or something like that. And then they said, we want to have a simple draw. They wanted to have help with the draw. Of course, I said, do you really mean what I think? I can't do that. Nobody can do that. That's absolutely impossible, and it's criminal even to try. But they never believed me. The amazing thing is, is that it looked like they don't believe that I can't do that. They believe I just didn't want to do that. Very strange. And that was, I guess, the main reason why I was even invited to go to North Korea. And by the way, North Korea showed up, they lost to Brazil, they lost to Portugal, and they lost to the Cote d'Ivoire, the Ivory Coast. Them North Koreans, they'll get you. All right. Rick, don't say anything bad about the... North. All right, it's fine. I do love that story, though. That's pretty good stuff. one 800 play to get in and get heard. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app. We're on Twitch.tv. There I am. Check me out on my high-def camera. So fine. Uh, also, CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable rating down channel 235 million homes. Come on back.
20: water stains on the shower glass try rubbing some shaving cream on
15: Tyler's cleaning crew knows every Uh, housekeeping trick in the book
20: handling timesheets now
15: but they need a proper bookkeeper to keep finances tidy
20: new equipment is a business expense right
15: indeed can help them hire great people fast
20: I need indeed
15: indeed you do instant match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your sponsored job description visit indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job terms and conditions apply
22: Right now, sports betting is the fastest growing industry in the world. To consistently cash tickets at the sports books, it's best to be armed with the right plays from the best sports bettors in the business. That's what you'll get at AgainstTheNumber.com. At AgainstTheNumber.com, you'll get specialists with decades of experience betting multiple sports at a high level and many sports-specific packages from the NFL to college basketball to cricket to soccer to the European tour that gives you a consistent edge on the sports book. For a highly skilled, reasonably priced team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing, and one thing only, beating the books at their own game. Visit againstthenumber.com. That's againstthenumber.com.
3: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill.
17: You're always up for some fun with the family. So you order the essentials, a new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation.
2: All right, welcome back. It's 11:12. That's time we check in with one of our friends over at the againstthenumber.com. That's right. And it is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and their results are real. It's great to welcome back to the show Ken Thompson as we talk a little college hoop. And, uh, Ken, uh, welcome to the show. And I'm going to throw four one seeds at you and tell me if you would change any of them. Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Kansas. Yeah, Auburn's slipping
24: a little bit. Bruce Pearl's team's playing to the level of competition. They still have a lot of good wins in that 19-game winning streak, but uh, you know they need to pick it up if they're going to remain a one seed. I like Kentucky still out of the SEC when they get healthy, and uh, you know they got their guard coming back. So uh, I, I still think Kentucky could be the team to beat out of the SEC. Although Auburn right now is there. Uh, I was surprised. I talked to Jerry Palm last night from CBS Sports and his bracketology, and he had Alabama as a number four seed. And when I you know, go back and I look at the back-to-back wins uh, that Bama had early in December, of course one of those wins against Gonzaga, and they, then they followed up with another one-point win over Houston, uh, those two wins have really carried that team because they've struggled against some of the weaker teams in the SEC. So that was the one surprise that I really saw. And then when you look at some of these other teams that are – you know, on the bubble, so to speak. I mean, Oregon still is out as far as uh, Lenardi and Jerry Palm. And Oregon, you know, is going to go for the sweep of the L.A. schools tomorrow against USC. And if if they get that, I thought they'd be in. But he said they still have to beat the Washington schools, at least get one out of two, against Washington State and Washington on the road. And Washington's playing much better ball than they had been early in the year, and Wazoo's always tough in the the Palouse. So uh, we'll see how things pan out. But I think Oregon's a a tournament team. I want to get your take on that.
2: Well, I mean, uh, when I think about the Pac-12, I'm thinking Arizona, Oregon, and UCLA right now. Um, I want to ask you about Duke, though. Duke's won 10 of 11. They have three probably first-round picks. they got a reliable veteran in Wendell Moore. And Coach K wants to ride off into the sunset. Why are they so inconsistent? Because some people say they could win it all and they could
24: go out on day one. Yeah, Rick, but we're seeing that more this year. And we say that. I think it happens every year as we move forward. But with the inconsistency of a lot of these teams. And this year, even though Gonzaga playing great ball and doing away with everybody, including San Francisco played a pretty solid game last night, beating, beating them by 13 points. I, I mean, when you start looking at teams like Duke, you're still going to have tough games. Inside the ACC, again, these conference games, these teams are not intimidated by Duke, and they don't care if Coach K on his way out the door or not. Virginia really needed that game last night and was going for the sweep. It would have been real important for the Cavaliers to get that, and maybe they have a chance at an at-large bid, but they're backing themselves into the corner to have to win the ACC tournament. Uh, but I think Duke's got a good shot to be a one. There are two everywhere uh, from everybody's bracket pretty much. And if Auburn doesn't shape up, Duke could actually uh, – to plant them as a number one seed. Uh, You know, the other teams, I think, are pretty solid. Gonzaga, Arizona, as you said, those two for sure are going to be one seeds down the line. I don't see those things moving. In fact, I'll be at the McHale Center in Tucson next week when Stanford comes down. That'll be my first time going there. I'm good friends with Brian Jeffries, the voice of U of A, and he's always invited me. And so finally I got a little invite from Jim Livengood, the old athletic director at Arizona and UNLV, and I'm going to make it down there next Thursday to McHale Center. So looking forward to that.
2: Nice, going to Tucson. you have to drop by the biodome the biodome okay is that yeah. is that
24: the place to go that's the place in the <laughs> that's
2: the place in the desert where they tried to uh simulate astronauts living together. All right, we'll let that one go um okay. w- when I look at Baylor, you know they opened the season fifteen and zero, and they have on and off battled the injury bug, but Scott drew, I love this guy as a coach. they are the champs um. A number two seed for you?
24: Well, it'd be tough. I mean, yeah, they have fought the injury bug and still need LJ Crier to come back and and be productive. They still have solid guard play and they can do some damage. uh... Myers, uh, an X factor, he's a guy that can give you twenty five. He can also have three or four, you know. So uh... if he plays well, they usually play well. Uh, Scott Drew's a heck of a coach, and he got his just due last year. So I was happy for him. They couldn't have played a more perfect game out of the gate against Gonzaga. We'll see. I don't know about a two seed, but, yeah, right now that's where they're at. Hopefully they're able to batten down the hatches down the stretch there in the Big 12. What about
2: down there in Lubbock, with the Texas Tech, you know, one of the best defenses. And you think about they really put the clamps down on, on Texas and uh, Oklahoma. You know, nobody in the Big 12 wants to play them, and I would imagine nobody wants to see them in the, the big dance. How far can the, the running ribs go?
24: You know, here's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, Lubbock, Texas Tech, they, they are a fun team. And Coach Adams, to me, should be up for coach of the year. I mean, here's Chris Beard bailing out of Lubbock and going to Austin, and everybody's bummed out going, gosh dang, he sold us out. And what happens? They sweep Texas and, and, and really a nice job to, uh, by, by Coach Adams in his first year. So I like this Texas Tech team. Now, they're, they're not going to be – uh, one of those teams that's appeasing to the eyesight because you're going to watch. It's going to be, you know, depending on who they're playing, but usually a defensive-oriented game, and then they'll pick and choose their spots. But they got the transfer from Oral Roberts, O'Banner, that steps up and hits a bunch of threes, and uh, it's a good fun team to watch. And uh, I'm going to keep an eye on Texas Tech, depending on how they match up in their bracket. But they're a team that I would bet on, not against.
2: When I look at the Wisconsin Badgers. Is it too simplistic to say they're a one-man team, it's all about Johnny Davis?
24: Well, Davis is pretty good, and and Wall Down Low can, you know, give you some production, but they don't have that uh, Reavers-type guy or or somebody dominant in the paint uh, to really help them out, and then they're going to need, you know, other guys to step up, and uh, the the young kid uh, that missed the two free throws last night when the spread was on the line, Young kid from Nebraska. I'm trying to remember his name, but uh, they need every, all hands on deck there for Coach Guard. And yeah, Johnny Davis. I, I mean, Coach Guard was pretty much you know starting to look like he'd be on a hot seat, and then he found out. You know what? Just let this kid Johnny Davis go. Whatever he does, let me just keep him out there. So if he's out there 35 minutes, this kid's smart, stays out of foul trouble, inside outside game, very explosive and uh, davison though has to be that other guy he's got to be the robin the batman he's got to be able to knock down the threes and go hard inside and then dish it back out get everybody involved so it's johnny davis for sure but brad davison's got to be that uh that counterpart to help out
2: you know as i wanted to ask you about speaking of wisconsin um we know what happened with uh Juwan howard and uh, of course, co- Coach Guard calling some uh, timeouts, and uh, you know, I can understand why Jawan Howard was mad, but then, you know, taking a swing at an assistant coach, five game suspension, and a fine, and I asked, against the number dot coms, J.D. Sharp, he thought he should be fired, uh, then I yesterday, was, I was talking with uh, your buddy Chris Wynn, and uh, he was kind of on the same page, I, I don't think he should be fired, I, I mean, I, look, it's embarrassing and everything, but Nobody got hurt. I think a suspension is, is about right. But where do you sit with all that?
24: You know, Rick, I tell you, it's a delicate thing. And, I, and I, you know, J.D. and I actually talked about this. I mean, the way the world is right now and the way things are in this country, I'm just, I, I don't think you should be fired. I think this cancel culture and all this crap is just exactly what it is. It's a, just a bunch of crap. And, and everybody, I don't care who they are, has skeletons in their closet. They've made mistakes. And so if we were all going to go back, even us old school guys, and go back and they had cell phones, cell phones when I was in high school or in my teens or early 20s, heck, I, I may not be employed by uh, several people. That's why I employ myself at SportsX Radio, my own show. But you know what? I, I will say this, and it's not, you know, everybody knows I don't have a racist bone in my body, but I will say this. If it was Greg Gard that reached out and smacked or hit a Michigan black assistant coach, he would be gone. Point blank, the media would be all over it, and that's where, that's where we are in this day and age. I don't want Juwan Howard, uh, Howard to get fired. He had a close call uh, with Turgeon and Maryland uh, about a year or so ago. So, you know, he's got to really, you know, watch out, anger management, understand I get your passion I'm like that one with sports, but you got to understand, at the end of the day, it's a game, and you are now at the point in your life you need to be an example for these kids, not only on the court but off the court. There he is, Ken
2: Thompson. Check him out at againstthenumber.com. Ken, thanks for coming on. Have a great weekend, man.
24: Rick, I always appreciate it. Thank you.
2: All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
1: 800-754-4531. You talking to me? You talking to me?
11: Rick Tittle can usually be found at He Baby Mama House.
2: His baby mama. Come on in. We got open lines the rest of the way. The NFL combine. Remember I like to say the emphasis on the second syllable. It's not offense, defense, and combine. It's offense, defense, combine. We have over 20 years of comprehensive combine data, player workouts that you can compare all over the stuff. And on Thursday, March third, we will get underway. It'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. NFL Network, Lucas Oil Stadium, the Hub City. We have had that event in Indianapolis since 1987. Although the league says we might move it next year, do you know what that means? That means Las Vegas. Any chance they can get to move anything will be in Las Vegas. Because these guys in their suits, uh, honey, it's a business meeting. What are you talking about? I, well, you're just going to, it's work. Yeah. Do you think you're going to go out? I I think we get free tickets to one of the Cirque du Soleil's. I think it's called Le Rev, French for the dream. It's underwater. Uh, I might get a, you know, at the Encore, they have a great, buffet, but I just, I'm, I'm, I'm working, I'm busy. I don't have time to breathe. I'm going to be on my laptop and my cell phone and my tablet. Okay. So you're not going to go to Indianapolis. I I, wasn't my decision. They moved to Las Vegas. You know, they're going to Las Vegas. No. Have I heard anyone mention that? No, but I'm not that dumb. (laughs) Where's the draft going to be? Las Vegas. Where is every draft going to be? Any excuse? When the World Cup came here in 1994, where did they have the draw in December of 93? Barstow, actually. Now, Las Vegas. But here's one of the funny things we're going to get into. And I remember talking to um, Gruden the first time he was with the Raiders. And he talked about how when they started talking about wrist size, that they knew that it was too much data. You know, about hand size. Remember they kept talking about how Trump had little hands, whatever that meant. Um, but the hand size stuff, it does matter to some teams and where you're gonna pick a guy. It doesn't matter what he did in college, if he threw for six thousand yards and fifty-nine touchdowns. But if you want to watch film and be impressed, let's just say you've never seen or heard of any of these guys. None of them <clears throat> I think if you're going to watch film, probably the kid Pickett has the most awesome film, big time throws, improvisational brilliance, but there's reports now that maybe his hands are under the nine inch threshold that NFL teams demand. And it's a shame because there's not much evidence that hand size correlates with the quality of quarterback play. I remember when I was in high school, there was a guy who had these mitts, just these palms, these huge, crazy hands, and he could throw the football a mile. And every time he dropped back, he'd panic and he'd throw an interception. He'd basically just throw the ball up to grabs and say, please don't hurt me like Steve Spurrier. And uh, By the way, if you ever saw Steve Spurrier play for the Niners or the Bucks, he was their first-ever quarterback, he would run backwards and throw the ball over his shoulder and say, you take it, don't hurt me. Steve Spurrier is still the worst quarterback I've ever seen. (laughs) Maybe the least brave. Small hands freak out GMs. They think too many fumbles, what if it rains, what if it snows? They just can't grip the football. So regardless of the size of Pickett's hands and Pickett's charge, I didn't notice his little teeny baby hands hindering him at Pitt. And by the way, I don't know if you've been to Pittsburgh. It's pretty freezing in the winter. Will this factor in? Now, the other thing is, is the decision if you're going to go with defense and you have a choice between Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. And most projections have Hutchinson going ahead of Thibodeau. Even though Thibodeau was supposed to be the number one overall pick. But then again, so was Manti Teo. Remember I was doing this show, I used to do a weekly Heisman update and it was all about Kyle Orton at Purdue, breaking Drew Brees' records. I've been doing this show a while. And then Kyle Orton got hurt, so he was no longer going to be number one overall. But Hutchinson is a little bit different. He's hand in the sand. Uh, Doe can, but he can also be an outside backer. And I would think if you, I mean, everybody wants a Micah Parsons, obviously. And if you want that, you'd go more Tibido. But if you want J.J. Watt or a Bosa brother, then you go Hutchinson. And But this is going to be a major thing at this combine. If Doe tests much better than Hutchinson, then this combine might push him ahead. And T.B. Doe six five two fifty eight Hutchinson six six two sixty six. That's pretty close. But now they're going to measure their arms, or for some reason they say wingspan, like their condors or pterodactyls. I never say wingspan. I also never say red zone. It's inside the twenty. One, one little. Drill where one guy drastically outperforms the other guy here. Other than maybe the bench press, I would think you could see the offers fall or rise because it almost feels like at this moment, TB does not going to get picked ahead of Hutchinson, but this is where the combine has these board altering powers and then, conversely, if Hutchinson blows away T.B. Doe, then it's like, all right, we were right, whoever says that. But the question is now, because I've seen Kyle Hamilton go as high as two overall. If this guy really is not just the next Hitman Harry, but the next Ed Reed, how do you not take him? Is Kyle Hamilton going to work out, and is Derek Stinley going to work out? These are two Great players from blue blood schools who had amazing college careers that ended early because they got hurt, right? They're not super serious injuries. So Hamilton from Notre Dame or Stingley from LSU, safety, cornerback, respectively. We don't know what they're going to do. But if it happens, we'll have to see if Hamilton is – the next Derwin James. I mean, Derwin James was the guy I wanted, and John Gruden drafted a tackle. He's what they call an oversized safety. Stingley is pretty tall as a corner as well. But they're saying he's the next Jalen Ramsey, uh, at worst the next Marshawn Lattermore. For me, I'm impressed by my man's sauce up there at Cincinnati. I like that kid. But also... I want to know if any receiver is gonna separate himself just athletically, you know, and who cares if you can jump the highest. I if you want to watch some great stats, watch Drake London at USC, although he's a little lanky. You know, how is he gonna go up or down? How fast will Traylon Burks run? This is six three, two twenty five. Will he even be that fat? Has he been I mean, look at uh Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. The Chris Lave, everyone has going to, the, to my Raiders. How will they test? And, of course, we won't see Jameis Williams on the track because of his torn ACL, the transfer and lightning fast when he could go it. But other names might pop up. Wide receivers like Penn State's Jahan Dotson, Western Michigan's Sky Moore, S-K-Y-Y, North Dakota State's Christian Watson, Oh, white wide receiver. How about that, Jason Seahorn? He was a DB. Uh, or someone else. Generate that buzz. I'm a human fly. I'm to say buzz, buzz, buzz. So, you know, the combine is a very boring thing to watch. It just is. But there are certain things. I remember I had an old boss who said a guy came in with a sport coat, and this the he cuffed it back, and he had shiny lining that he had exposed. And he said, I can't hire a guy that wears shiny lining in a sport coat. I can tell you, and I've seen it every combine, there's some guy that will wear a bandana as a hat while he's working out, like he's Matthew McConaughey playing pickup hoop. If you wear a bandana as a hat, I'm not interested. (laughs) Well, Rick, what if it's Patrick Mahomes? Well, then I miss out on Patrick Mahomes. Come on back.
7: Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, there is a nice piece of stock music playing behind me that a talented composer worked really hard on. So let's enjoy it. Wow, almost overshadows the saving big when you switch to Progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates
15: hola carla speaking carla's roofing company always goes above and beyond Mm, yeah we heard about next week's forecast she needs a new foreman to weather a storm of projects you mean another full crew before wednesday mira jose can you work wednesday indeed can help her hire great people fast i need indeed indeed you do instant match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match your sponsored job description visit indeed.com slash credit and get 75 dollars towards your first sponsored job terms and conditions apply
1: That's 800-905-7186.
18: You know, people are always asking me, Tiger,
3: uh, how do you do it? And my answer is shut up. Uh, I ask the questions around here. I'm Tiger Woods.
11: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
2: Lightning, I tell you. 1-800-878-PLAY. You know, um, it's funny when you <clears throat> dig back in the past. Like Mark Norman said, can we check Putin's old tweets? Which is kind of funny. Find out something we can cancel them with. By the way, if you're Putin and you're got a camera on you and you basically are announcing your this century's version of the antichrist. Why would you have the camera off center and then have your like hands sort of like grabbing the desk in a, it was just the whole posture slouching in the chair. It's just very bizarre. Um, but when you look back on stuff and, uh people will do a tell-all book. Sometimes there are little things that pop up and people want to know more about. More about. Ian O'Connor has released a book called Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. And in the book is an intense in-game moment, which is detailed during the 2004 Olympics in, or during the, well, let's just go back one a little bit. One of the great NBA disappointments people always say is that we never saw LeBron and Kobe face off in a series. It could only could have happened in the finals. And by the time James got to the West, Bryant was retired. And 2008 was when LeBron and Kobe joined forces as the alphas of USA basketball. That was the redeemed team. 2004 was when they went to Athens and got a bronze. And everybody was down on that team like Allen Iverson and Mitch Richmond those guys showed up Kobe LeBron they didn't show up <clears throat> the redeem team so you could say well you know Kobe plays like he's on played like he's on a team but it's all about him and LeBron always operates that he's part of a team whatever it is you can make your they're two of the greatest players of all time there's no doubt and Ian O'Connor talks about a moment in those 08 Olympics when Coach K was coaching and they said it was a tense in-game moment. LeBron came off the court and he voiced his strong displeasure with Kobe's shot selection to Shashevsky. And remember Coach K was tabbed to coach the Olympic team and was trying to tread lightly in his transition from yelling at 17- and 18-year-olds to the basketball alpha males on this planet. And O'Connor has this in the book, quote, Bryant, for one, enjoyed how Krzyzewski coached him. A lot of players were surprised that Kobe accepted the invitation to play for Team USA, giving his standing around the league as a lone wolf. In that first team meeting in Las Vegas, Bryant sat at a table by himself, removed from his teammates, right behind the coaching staff. It looked kind of weird, said Nate McMillan. Over time, Kobe felt reinvigorated by the unique challenge before him. He had been a pro for 10 years and appreciated the fact that Coach K was motivating him in a way that had nothing to do with money. But standards are standards. And suddenly on the night of August 5th, 2008, Bryant wasn't meeting Team USA. He took a few loose shots in the second half against Australia. And the USA won 87 to 76, but drew the attention of his teammates because the USA looked exceedingly beatable in the game against Australia. Remember, that was the game where Kobe and LeBron raved about a kid from St. Mary's College named Patrick Mills. So the Americans were eager to uh, get on and get the medal, but Kobe seemed like he was pretty bored. And um, one USA staffer, unnamed, said, Everyone knew it. They know one another player is being selfish. Players can police themselves, but in this instance, as LeBron was coming out of the game, he said to Mike, Yo, coach, you better fix that mother effer and he was talking about Kobe. So the Redeem team was supposed to be all about accountability, and this was James holding Coach K and Bryant accountable. Shashevsky told LeBron, I'll talk to Kobe. Trust me. The coaching staff met through the night, and all they talked about was how they're going to handle Kobe now. The next morning, before uh, leaving for the court, Shashevsky asked Bryant, who, of course, had three rings for a private meeting. And one of his staffers said Coach K was nervous, but he knew he had to do it. And so Coach K, this is all from a book. Take take it. The, the only people that really knew is Kobe Bryant, who's, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. Right? Right. LeBron, Coach K, they're the only ones that really knew. But in the book, it says, Coach K pulled out a laptop <clears throat> and sat with Kobe and he showed him a few examples of some questionable shots, pointed out his teammates standing around and watching him on some drives to the basket. And Shashevsky told Bryant to his face, these are bull s shots. There has to be more movement. And then he said he held his breath to see what happened. And Bryant looked at Shashevsky and said, I got it, coach. I got it, and don't worry about it. Sorry about that. So Shashevsky told LeBron, look, I followed up, I confronted him, he's back on board, he's with the program. And against the odds, a college coach had reached an accord with two of the biggest basketball stars ever. And Kobe, LeBron, Coach K, they did all they had to do, and he said it made going to Beijing a lot easier. Now, I love this story on so many reasons. One, it speaks to the hesitancy which LeBron was operating as a leader. He hadn't won a title yet. Kobe was still the alpha male on that team. LeBron, you know, nowadays would say something directly to him when he's a more secure leader. LeBron wasn't quite there yet. It's understandable. Do you want to walk up to prime Kobe Bryant, say stop jacking up shots? Coach K was nervous to approach him. But I love the fact that Coach K knew what was best. This is a guy who went to West Point, played for Bobby Knight at West Point, You know, stationed in Korea. It's all about America for Coach K. And Kobe Bryant was the most intimidating basketball player in the world at that time, now that Jordan was out. But I love the fact that Kobe was humble and mature and a team player, and he accepted Coach K's criticism and apologized and said, I'll do better, and I got it. That's a giant stepping stone as a coach, even for one as experienced as Krzyzewski, to navigate that rift between the two best players in the world and come out with the full respect of both. I just love hearing about Kobe, the willing, accountable teammate. And the truth is, Bryant could have puffed up his chest, told Coach K, you go to hell. And uh, he wouldn't have been able to do much about it. And what was he going to do? Bench Kobe at the Olympics? Talk about alienating yourself to your entire country when you say, I'm bigger than the USA. Because obviously, America needed Kobe more than it needed Krzyzewski to win a gold, but it needed Bryant's cooperation. And according to this book, he offered it willingly. And yeah, did he have some more questionable shots? Sure, who doesn't? But in the end, they made good on their goal. They reclaimed the gold medal. They beat Spain in the final. Kobe evolved his Team USA career into a guy who took on the toughest defensive assignments, always connected to the elite scorers on the on the other end of the court. But uh I like it. I just wonder nowadays, like, I can tell you if that was Eric Musselman <laughs> or Mike McCarthy, somebody like that, who said, Kobe, these are bull-ass shots, or Thibodeau, anyone. You, The players have to respect you. And Coach K came with that respect built in. I could see Steve Kerr telling Kobe, these are some bull-ass shots, because Steve Kerr has your back. Steve Kerr has your back, not just on the court, but off the court, politics, everything else. Remember when Trump won the first time, Kerr said, hey, a lot of my team, they're not happy and they don't really feel like practicing and I get it. You think Tibido would have said that? He would have said, get your ass to practice. I don't care who's president. I don't care if he's white or black or you like him or you don't like him. I think Kerr might have got away with that. But, I don't know. And and listen, this is over 10 years ago. (laughs) So we have to see what happens um, with the reaction. I mean, probably be a lot of no comments from a lot of people. Like somebody will say, did you, did you say this LeBron? LeBron might be like, oh, it's overblown or "Ah, it's just a book, whatever. But I think the most interesting thing left in this season now are that there are five teams in the East that are within the East's one seed. That's extraordinary. It really is, as we're in the last week of February. Chicago, Miami, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Milwaukee. That's amazing. And then on the flip side, the number five Bucks are only one game up in the loss column to the number seven Raptors. And... Could you imagine one of these defending champs having to go through the play-in bracket? And you can. But as I said, Cleveland. Cleveland has the league's third easiest schedule left, and they're only a couple games out. Nobody thought the Cavs would be a contender. Well, I didn't. Are you one of those people that said the Cavs were going to the playoffs and maybe be the number one seed? I love this. This is awesome. The NBA is one of the most predictable leagues in the world. And the fact that you could have a team like the Nets, who currently are in a play-in game situation, it's much more intriguing. Now, how would I want the NBA? I'd want the Warriors to always be the number one seed. (laughs) That's what I would want. But I just think it's hilarious that Houston was on his way to being the worst team in NBA history, and now they're the third worst team in the league because Detroit and Orlando have contrived to be even worse, and they're being even worse in the East. All right, we'll take a quick break. Still time to get in if you want at 1-800-878-7529. Tell me who's watching
8: me. Who's watching me?
1: that's 800-817-2968. Hello, you there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo, I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra 600 you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. That's 800-756-3744.
11: I'm 33% sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
2: Ah, that's so nice. By the way, I got a couple of interesting stats from my old buddy Ken Dennis that I thought were interesting. The number one tennis player in the world is the bear. That's right, Medvedev is Russian for bear. Did he cry when he heard like he did at the Australian Open? "Mm, The crowd was against me. Nadal was like, I played Federer, her, and they they booed me the whole time, so I want you to grow up. But anyway, 26-year-old Russian, he is the first number one player since Djokovic just lost, but he's the first number one player since February of 2004. That's not Djokovic, Federer, Rafael Nadal, or Andy Murray, the Scotsman. That's a pretty long run. And one other stat. DeMar DeRozan is the seventh player in NBA history to score 35 points in eight straight games. Joining Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and James Harden. No Steph on that list. No Clay on that list. But here's the most interesting thing. DeRozan has shot 62% from the field during those eight straight games which is the highest of any of them, even Wilt, who was in the paint almost the whole time. So the kid out of USC, DeMar DeRozan, the kid who said, please don't trade me from the Raptors, and they did, and then they won a championship without him. <laughs> oh, he's a millionaire. Don't feel sorry for him. Um, he's on a little bit of a run. Uh, we'll just say that. All right, thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend. We'll come back. We'll do it again Monday, 9 a.m. pack time.